Vikings have a, in some ways, surprising, but in other ways, not lost to the New York Giants yesterday evening in Minneapolis. Um, Jordan, I mean, it was like, like we've talked about it. The season's been a blast. The game was stressful as they all have been. Um, it was tightly contested as most of them have been. And, you know, it's, there's nothing, uh, nothing really to hang your head about, but also at the same time, it's a really disappointing way to end the year. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I was telling you before we, before we kick things off here today that, you know, my viewpoint on it was kind of, I, I, it wasn't like I was, oh my gosh, I really thought this was the year we were going to win the Super Bowl. It was more of like a, man, that stinks that this season's over because it's been so fun. And like the defense yeah. is comically bad, but they make, they, they get so many turnovers that like they almost redeem them. They usually do redeem themselves. Like at the end of the game, whenever like Pat Pete would get a big pick or something, and you know the offense it just felt like if you gave them the ball and you told them you have to get seven they got seven all season long roughly 11 times that happened um well you know it was a gotta gotta have it situation and the offense got it for the you know to, to win the game and um of course there is no better fitting into the viking season than a one score loss making us 11 and one on the season. The magic carpet ride is over, you know, team of destiny is dead. All the, all the narratives are put to bed. Um, I have a question for you before we talk about this game and we're going to avoid going into the future tonight. Um, because we're going to save that because there's a whole off season to talk about what's, what's happening and what we think is going to happen and all that kind of thing. Um, well, the 13 and, and foe Minnesota Vikings frauds. Absolutely not. I think, I think that narrative was silly from the get go. Um, I, I suppose if you define fraud as anything that is not the Kansas city chiefs, then sure. But that would mean about, you know, <laughs> two thirds of the playoff teams are frauds. So Absolutely. I, um, I don't think this team ever was, top three in the league. I don't think they ever had a chance to really win the Super Bowl with the defense that they deployed each and every week. But to call them frauds, I think, is a little bit of a lazy and tired and kind of just a, I guess we'll just call it lazy, a lazy narrative that was just sort of easy to roll out there every week when they came up with these tight wins. Because calling, you know, I mean, because the thing with the Vikings was, Sure. They got outscored. They got blown out three times, um, lost their home playoff game. But to win 11 one-score games is a skill. Um, It doesn't look like, you know, the same skills that we see on, you know, in each and every play from arm talent to route running ability to tackling to ball skills to X, Y, and Z. However, the NFL has the mar- the margins, the, the width of a human hair. And so if you can go out there and you can win one score games each and every week, that's a skill. Um, at a certain point, it's not luck. And at a certain point, it's not fraudulent. And it just goes to show that this team was not talented enough to really go all the way because when they 
don't take care of every margin and they don't get takeaways on defense, it's a long day. Because, um, I mean, what, what was the difference between this game and the first Giants game? We got two takeaways. <laughs> exactly. We got the fumble and we got the interception. Um, gave, about, gave up about the same amount of yards. Um, got gashed by the same amount of big plays. But there was two turnovers in the first game, and this one there was not. The offense was honestly probably better <laughs> this time around than it was the first time. So, um, yeah, I don't think the team was frauds. I, I think they were just incomplete. And I think, uh, I mean, they, they really they really made lemonade with some lemons this year. It was, it was pretty remarkable to win 13 games with the uh, – Frankly, the you call it the uh, the nursing home defense that we rolled out there. Yeah, it was it was the all nursing home because if they they <laughs> they are good players for their age, but they are old, and yep. and I think that that really bit us. And I think that that's been a theme all season: is guys are a step or two behind. And yesterday, it felt like Patrick yeah. Peterson was consistently fifteen steps behind his man, and uh-huh. it was it was really sad. And I've seen some people pooping on Aaron, Eric Kendricks, and I don't think it's entirely fair. Uh, I've seen a lot of people questioning his like football IQ. I do not question that for a second. It was sad to watch a man know what he needed to do and see his body fail him. It it just is. I don't know if you've ever seen your know, like your dad try and get off a couch and he just struggles. It was like that experience because Eric Kendricks. I've said it on this show. Uh, he was my favorite Viking for a long time. And I just, I loved him coming out of the draft. I loved him, you know, he was so athletic and right. He was just a different breed of linebacker that I felt was not really seen before in the Vikings history. Uh, the NFL had started moving that way to like the smaller, more athletic linebacker. But, you know, he wasn't Chad Greenway. He wasn't, you know, Henderson, like one of them, like these hawking guys. And so to see him lose that speed, that was really the thing that made him good at his job. He, I mean, he's toast. He's, he's just toast. Yeah. And, and I hate to say that. Yeah. And, I'm, and I mean that with respect. I mean, let's get real. These guys are still elite athletes. These guys can still probably contribute in some way to a football team. I'm just, you know, for the Vikings, there's no way you can have Eric Kendricks play next season. I told you I was going to say it at least yeah. once. I was going to get into the future looking stuff. So um, getting into the frauds thing super quickly, because I do want to I do want to say one thing about it. I think this Vikings team should have won nine or ten games and should have been in a fight to the very last second with the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers for the division. A lot of those games bounced our way. A lot of the games were just – they were just weird. Like, you don't go down 33-0 to and win. But on the flip side, you usually don't go down 33-0 to the one of the worst teams in the NFL. It was just a weird season, and I don't know which one of these one-score games to chalk up as probably should have been a loss and probably should have been a win because it's just – it's just, it was just a funny season, and it was a it was electric. Yeah. It was electric the whole time. So I don't think yeah. frauds is right, but like we had a better point differential than the New York Giants, and so we were probably in that same range yeah. of fringe wild card, bad division yeah. winner, you know that type of thing. So I don't know. Yeah. I think that I mean the the fraudulent discussion doesn't occur if the Vikings aren't winning one score games. That's the kind of silly thing about it is if they win about half their one score games and you know end up with nine eight to ten wins. No one calls them frauds. Everyone just calls them average. Yep. So it's just it's a it's sort of a silly debate. They but might even say the, that that's um, the team you don't want to play in the playoffs because that's pretty exactly. much what the Giants are. And you know now exactly. the narrative is no one wants to see Daniel Jones in the playoffs. Like, yeah. Well, 
quick thing on Daniel Jones. I think everyone will realize how fraudulent the uh, Vikings defense is after um, the Giants score 12 points against the Eagles next week. Let's just 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 wait till Saturday and we'll we'll see how bad the Vikings defense was. But speaking of that defense, I wanted to ask you, you know, ap- apart from a new coach or a new scheme or younger, faster players, what would you have liked to see yesterday to potentially give the Vikings a better chance to stop the Giants? Oh, see, that's a loaded question because the answer, not loaded, but that's a, like, it's not a bad question. It's a good question. It's stacked against you. It is, it is stacked because the answer is a different, a different scheme for the old players. Oh, Younger, faster play. I think the uh, I think the the best answer I can give is Brian Asamoah just playing instead of Jordan Hicks or Eric Kendricks, um, yeah. because I think we needed that speed out there. Um, and you're not gonna bench Patrick Peterson. I don't think you're gonna bench Eric Kendricks. I mean, let's be realistic. This isn't Madden. This isn't like these are real humans that you're that you're dealing with that you have to tell hey you don't get to play football for us at a high level anymore we're gonna bench you we're gonna like these are tough conversations and not always easy but i think at some point you have to say like we are the second worst defense in the league it is time to what's the worst thing that happens you're like we will we have the high football iq and low athleticism well maybe we get lower football iq but higher athleticism, but maybe the football IQ isn't that low because like they play, you know, like Brian Asamoah, I believe that he went to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. So like he's played in big games. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he went to Appalachian state, which is an Easter egg for mock drafts of the future because of, you know, whatever, but like he's played in important games. Let him get in there. You played him a lot against the giants the first time. And, and I really think you needed that athleticism. I think the Vikings, they just needed a youth infusion on the defense this season. And I don't think they did. Cause I didn't, I don't think anybody thought the competitive rebuild was going to be a 13 win season with a home playoff game. I think everybody expected maybe best case scenario fringe wild card team that sneaks in and gets demolished by San Francisco. Not, not this, not, not a 13 win. Everybody yeah. in the league is now pointing at you laughing saying, Oh, you're frauds. It's like, we have a first-year head coach. We have a first-year general manager. Everything is different. We should be in the same boat as the Houston Texans, but we're not because we have talent. We just need to, you know, trim some fat, get a little younger, and and hope that the guys that we drafted this year get better next year. Yeah, a couple of things to point out with that. You know, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to write about this season before the playoff game because I wanted to make sure that I encapsulated my thoughts before I got emotional, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, you know, win, win or lose in the playoffs, it completely skews your perception of how the first 17 games went. And um, so, yeah, I have a piece on, on VikingsTerritory.com that kind of recaps the season in terms of, frankly, the success story that it was. And um, I'll just, you know, I'll drop that there and leave it, you know, go check it out, read the story. Um, it was a fun one to write because you're, you know, you're able to, you know, recap and recount all these sort of strange, miraculous things that happened. And um, yeah, I mean, talking about the, the Kevin O'Connell thing, you know, rookie head coach, um, someone pointed this out to me and then I kind of recounted it on Twitter today that Sean McVay's first season as the Rams head coach, um, they had a home playoff game and they lost to the uh, Atlanta Falcons. 
Um, that was 2017. The following season, the Rams made the Super Bowl. Um, three seasons later, they won the Super Bowl. And so by no means does that mean the Vikings will win the Super Bowl in four years or anything like that. But what it does mean is that just because you have a disappointing end to a somewhat surprisingly successful season does not mean that this team won't be back. And there's so much to build on. Um, you know, you're, you're a coach like O'Connell and a quarterback like Cousins, you know, assuming he's back, um, that are very hard on themselves and don't take winning or losing lightly. You can, you can, you know, be darn sure that they're going to learn from this season, not only this game and be able to move forward and have adjustments and, and get better um, as their, as their time together continues. And even just, you know, O'Connell by himself as, as his career as a coach continues. I mean, he's, he's coached, 18 professional football games that matter. And um, there were some, some issues yesterday that, you know, with play calling potentially that you'd want to see cleaned up, but it's not the reason we lost the game. Um, It's part of the reason, you know, if you have a better play call on third and one, instead of a backwards pass from Justin Jefferson to Kirk cousins, then, you know, maybe, maybe that drive moves or, um, you know, on, on the last play of the game, if you don't call sort of a three vertical route and you get somebody closer to the sticks, you know, maybe maybe you're moving the chains on that that drive and you're you still have a chance to, to punch it in. Or um, so there's some things like that where maybe a play call here or there could have been made better. But the thing that I've learned from O'Connell this year is that he's going to learn and he's going to get better. So um, I'm not predicting Super Bowl next year by any stretch. I think this division is going to be tough. Um, tougher. I think the Bears will still be bad, but I think they'll be better. I think the Lions will be really tough. Um, and depending on what happens with the, you know, Aaron Rodgers drama in the next few months, I think the, the Packers will be, you know, they're always there. So, yeah. um, I have a pack. Oh, not a pack. I have a Chicago take that I don't know if I gave it on the show. Oh, if I ambled it to myself on the highway on my way home from work like a week or two ago, but, um, I think Chicago is going to win five games next season and three of them are going to be against the NFC North. Like I like they're going to split in the division next season and whether they keep Justin Fields, whether they trade him and keep the number one pick, I don't care what they do. I just think that they are going to get, I think that they are going to be a better team than they will this season. And I think, I don't know if they're going to sweep us and like beat the Packers and get swept by the Lions. I don't know where those three wins come. I'm not saying that they go, you know, kind of like the Vikings. Oh no. Yeah, kind of like the Vikings, like we didn't sweep anybody, but we still went phone. Oh, we swept the Bears only, and we went phone two in our, our division. Um, I think Chicago's going to play spoiler late for somebody. Like, I think it's going to be a two or three team race, and somebody's going to have to beat Chicago to stay, maybe even in the playoff hunt. And Chicago's going to slam the door on somebody, and I am praying to the heavenly father it is not us i cannot handle getting eliminated from the playoffs by justin fields not yet not not ever let's talk about something will because it's it's the elephant in the room we haven't brought it up yet what the hell was cousins doing on fourth and eight throwing the check down some people think he's the biggest idiot in the world some people think o'connell's an idiot some people think he was here in footsteps what what is your take on it and then i'll get into mine Yes, we needed to talk about it. You can't avoid the question. I think, um, so, I mean, speaking of avoiding the question, he was asked this very question, of course, as was O'Connell. 
Um, O'Connell talked about the play design. He uh, he didn't, you know, after the game, he's he says he you know regrets it. Wish he had a better, he would have drawn something up. He something up better, and he um, he put it on him. And that's that's typical Kevin O'Connell, right? He he takes the bullet, um, gets in front of the bus for his team, his quarterback. That's just the way he operates. Um, I take more from what Kirk Cousins said, and he is never someone to throw somebody else under the bus. So of course he's not going to, he, his answer was simply, I was trying to work it to Justin. Obviously that means Justin Jefferson, um, but it wasn't there. And you no, know, we can pause there in that statement, right? If it wasn't there, you can say, okay, it wasn't there, but also you could still give Jefferson a chance. You know, there, there's, there's reason to believe a la Buffalo that you just give the guy a chance and you live with the result. Um, so he can be, a, he can definitely take some fault for that. But what I will say is, so the rest of his quote was, you know, Justin wasn't there. And at that point I felt I was going to get sacked. Um, there was somebody coming from behind him and Dexter Lawrence was in his face. So he said, I just wanted to put the ball in play. Um, you can't go down with the sack. And so you got to just see, see what happens. And I don't fault him for it. Um, I defend Kirk Cousins probably more than the average person. And so I know there's probably a little bias in how I'm looking at it. So I have to own that. But also, I don't fault him for throwing the ball to a player who had 129 receiving yards on the day, broke multiple tackles for first downs on third and longs, um, was able to catch the ball in front of the sticks and make something happen multiple times. That's about as good as it, as you can get when it comes to a quote-unquote check down um and the other thing when it comes to just you know like well maybe you don't throw it to tj but you throw it past the sticks to osborne he might have had a step maybe but the previous throw to osborne was a contested catch a little bit behind him that he didn't bring in sure the throw should have been better and and um cousins lamented that one after and wished he had that one back um but do you give Osborne another contested catch with the season on the line? Maybe you do. Maybe you have to take that risk. And Cousins is probably going to have to mull that play over in his mind a hundred times between now and, and uh, mini camp. But yeah. um, my take on the situation is I think most of the blame needs to go to the play call. Um, and then of course, some of the blame has to go to Cousins for throwing it short of the sticks but also a lot of the credit just has to go to the Giants. They played very well in the back end um, and forced Cousins to really, you know, rely on Hawkinson most of the day. And obviously it amounted to some good success, but um, the Giants were able to make plays when they needed to. They relatively, they took Jefferson out of the game for about the last, you know, 18 minutes and as they did on that last play. So all that being said, I'd say, you know, most most the blame to O'Connell and the play call, a little bit to Cousins and a lot of credit to the Giants. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think it is a if – it's, if it's a pie, don't think it's 100%. You know, Coke is with a Z, dumb, uh, with a backwards D, so bum. But um, O'Connell has to call a better play, though. And I think the Vikings – in that situation, you have to recognize, all right, who's our number one guy? It's Justin Jefferson. They have a safety over top of him. I watched the play a hundred times this morning. He was he wasn't triple covered in that if he would have if Cousins would have let the ball go to him, 
he would have been fighting with two giants to make the catch because there was, I don't know if it was a safety or if it was a, they had like three guys on his side of the field, one guy on him, like man to man, a safety that was breaking his direction as Jefferson got to like the, the break in his route. And then there was another guy just kind of over towards that side of the field. Um, you have to recognize, okay, Jefferson, he's got three guys over there on that side of the field. Maybe he's out of the play. You make that lead, you make it kind of quick, you move on. You then have to ask yourself, who is our number two option? Not wide receiver, who's the number two option? It's TJ Hawkinson. He's been a stud all day. Why is TJ Hawkinson running what should be just a distraction route on the most important yeah. play of your entire season? He's, you gave a second-round pick for this guy to get him mid-season. You gave a second-round pick to a division rival who might go draft a Hall of Famer that's going to smoke you for the next 20 years for all you know. And you have to have him run out past the sticks, in my opinion. I don't know if that means yeah. you put Johnny Munt in there to run that route that he's running, and then you have Hawkinson run. You have to call a play that has Jefferson as the one option, Hawkinson as the two, and then you can look at KJ and, and yeah. Thielen. Because you know? I do think that like you have to remember he was getting pressured. And I've done a 180. I'm not mad at yeah. Kalk anymore. I am mad at Kalk, but I'm not mad at Kalk. I would rather him throw it to triple coverage to JJ past the sticks than a check down to, to Hawkinson. No matter the, like I just, that's just what I, that's how I view it. You have to go past the sticks on those situations. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I just, I just don't understand why Hawkinson was on that route. Hawkinson should have been yeah. past the sticks. He's a big body tight end. They're going to have a count on him. He's a mismatch. You have to kind of like, I think the Chiefs do a really good job of this, of being like, yeah, Travis Kelsey's our number one option. So we're going to treat him like a number one option. Like, I, I don't know his play breakdowns, but I watch the Chiefs because they're on prime time every week. You don't see Travis Kelsey catching a lot of, like, flat routes, I feel like. I feel like they dominate him over the middle and they send him deep and they have okay. him do a lot. And so, I don't know. I just would have rather seen, have seen Hawkinson going down past the sticks on that play than, than I would have just sitting in the flat because I agree with you. He was going off yesterday. He was having a great game and we needed him to, and he was delivering. And so I just, I just don't love the play call. Um, I think, and like you said, O'Connell is, is going to learn from it. And you know, maybe next time you can't send everybody past the sticks. Cause then the entire defense goes past, past the sticks. So like you have to have somebody down there and that's why Dalvin was in the, in the flats and you have to have KJ maybe yep. on a flat route, but no, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, I just disagree with the play call wholeheartedly and yep. going back a drive as well to keep dumping on Kevin O'Connell after he won my team 13 <laughs> games this season. What are we doing? <laughs> We're one of the worst screen calling. Oh, we're one of the worst screen teams in the entire NFL, yeah. and we get the ball with an opportunity to tie it with however many minutes left in the fourth quarter, late in the game. And we throw a screen to the running back, and then we throw a screen to the tight end, and what the drive's over. The drive's dead there. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like it. Oh, that was the, that was honestly more frustrating than the fourth down call. Looking back, because you had an you had sure. a golden opportunity to do that and then give yourself a chance to win maybe on the back end. And yeah, oh man, just very frustrating. It was a very frustrating day, and yeah. I'm getting back in my emotions now. It's all coming back up. Oh man, this it was, yeah, it was I, bad. I think uh, I think you're right on with that. I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's an opportunity to learn. I think you know, and we're so used to this team pulling these out. I mean, it just became like clockwork, you know, it was like, all right, well, we're down by 
seven with five minutes left. Well, we're going to go tie it and then we'll probably get a stop and get the ball back and get a field goal with no time left. Like that's just kind of what you expect. And I had no doubts that we were going to, I had no doubts we were going to score on that drive. I'm going to be completely candid. We were talking in my, in my father's living room, like me, him and my brother were watching the game. And the question was before the roughing the pass. So they gave us the ball back and we said, do we go for two? If we score, like, and mm-hmm. it, we didn't say when we score because, you know, you don't want to jinx it. But, like, we were already talking about, like, yeah, do you go for two and, like, try and get a one-point game and, and yeah. hope your defense can, you know, get a stop with whatever. Like, yeah. it, we like you said, we just expect it to happen because it's happened so yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, it's it's another uh, it's another anecdote to the uh, – and, and a thorn in the side of the fraudulent argument. Fraudulent teams don't have eight fourth-quarter comebacks. just doesn't happen. Um, you know – Fraudulent teams are the ones holding on for dear life because they've squandered a 20 point fourth quarter comeback. You know, that's the or 20 point, 20 point fourth quarter lead. So it's um, yeah, I mean, it was in a way strange and almost like you can't couldn't believe it when it happened because you're just expecting it. You're kind of just like sitting there like, OK, we're going to score. Right. And then when it doesn't happen, you kind of are like, OK, well, there's got to be enough time left or there's got to be enough timeouts left. And um eventually the clock on the season ran out and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a blast. And I think to be able to look back on it with fondness and right now it, you know, it stings for the players and the coaches. And I mean, if it stings for us, it's definitely stings for them. Um, But I mean, Hey, I had a, I had a blast doing this with you this year and in a way it makes the whole thing sting a little more just because when you get invested and you, watch every press conference and um, watch every game and <clears throat> rewatch games and get, uh, get fully invested in something. You kind of feel like you're a part of the team to a certain degree. Yep. And um, I was, uh, I was joking with one of my friends, like I should have learned, you know, when you get invested, things like this hurt a lot more. I got very invested in the 2020 twins um, you know, that was the COVID year, right? They played 60 games. It was a short season. I watched portions of every game that season. When the playoffs ended, it was heartbreaking because I felt like I was so invested in it. So, yeah. you know, I should have <laughs> I should have learned, well, right? And it's not like you can just like, like – so today at work, I have – I had. I don't anymore because now I have to come and I have to reopen up the wound and I have to talk about it with you. But, like, especially living in Ohio, I can kind of avoid – the the vikings if i want to i can hide from it and like today at work somebody said you know because i walk this is this is what i wore from walk or to walk like i wore a viking shout i'm not gonna you know hide my fandom or anything like that and i I love this pullover but like um somebody was like what happened to your vikings and i said they suck and i kept going about my day and that was it like i didn't want to talk about it so i kept it shout and i I just didn't want to talk about it and so Whenever you do the show, I took the 20, I think it was the 20 or 19. Oh no, it was the 2018 season. It was the season where first cousin season. I was all, I was like, oh my gosh, we're winning the Super Bowl. And I think that's why I dislike cousins is because I expected him to already have won me like three of these things. And we haven't gotten past the divisional round and it helps because I want to win a Super Bowl really bad because like I would buy goggles and I would pop champagne and it would be a great time. So but like you said, it just stings so bad because like 
you have to talk about it and you have to research what happened and you have to keep doing it. And we have two comments uh, really quickly. Uh, Jeffrey Hawthorne is both of the comments. He says, great season, worst Vikings defense to ever make the playoffs. And then he says he has seen every playoff Vikings team since 1974. And he should probably point out he's seen every Vikings team since 1974. I have never seen this man take a season off from the Vikings for any reason. So yesterday he was wearing a signed Bud Grant helmet. During the game. Wow. During yeah. the game. <laughs> during the game. He was taking pass blocking reps. Mad, uh, mad respect yes, to Mr. It was, <laughs> it was it was very fun. Um and it was it was a good time. But I'm gonna pass it off to you. I'm gonna let you get your final thoughts and then um I'll I'll kinda put a bow on this season, which is bittersweet to say. Yeah. Just um I mean I've said everything. I've I've uh, I've rehashed all the all the good things. We've lamented the terrible defense. Um yeah, I mean, Jordan, you'll probably talk about something similar, but next week we're going to be getting into sort of what's next. Um, it's sort of a painful thing to already have to do and kind of got to rewire your brain and look ahead. But um, we want to start recapping – or not recapping, but looking forward to what this team might need to do better. And one thing that I will say right off the jump is the Vikings will need to get another dynamic receiver option, um, whether it's the draft or – free agency or trade. It needs to happen. Um, part of the reason why these Justin Jefferson games, you know, he, he had about maybe four of them this year where he was sort of a non-factor and was taken out of the game. These can happen because the other teams don't respect anybody else on the outside. Um, KJ Osborne had a couple nice games this year. Adam Thielen had flashes, but those guys aren't going to be able to scare a defense. And so whether you uh, go get DeAndre Hopkins or you go, get a burner in the, uh, in the draft, there's gotta be somebody to help open things up for Justin Jefferson. So that's a sneak preview. What we're going to talk about next week, Jordan, I'm sure you've got something similar. Yeah. So really quickly follow the show on Twitter at LTB Vikings. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, please go follow my wonderful co-host on Twitter uh, at will bad lose. And then also check out the bad loser blog and Vikings territory. And thank you for unified athletic. Well, Oh, I, I would never forget about our friends over unified. Um, that thank you. For one, quick, Go ahead. one quick thing on the bad loser blog. Uh, my younger brother, Danny, he's been on the show. You saw him, uh, Thanksgiving week. He came out with his first post on the bad loser blog Saturday morning. It came out previewing the nfl playoffs check it out Very it's great. good stuff um go look at it you know yes, i post it on facebook it's also on just you know bad loser blog so yeah check out the bad loser blog and check out danny making his journalistic debut if i may this that's that's amazing good job danny and um future is bright for him for show um and then thank you to unified it's been a it's been a great season uh partnering with them and and you know love what they do check them out if you need anything just it's just anything i mean they're just good people do you need if you need jerseys though they're definitely good people anyway let's quickly recap this um Vikings, it, it sucks that the season's over. It was a very, very fun season. But like Will said, load the box. Uh, we will have kind of an off season, as in the content will start getting very, like, 
sporadic almost <laughs> while like though i'm sure that there will be a week where we will put on our twitter account like we don't know what to talk about and we're not going to hash up like should the vikings trade Co cousins well he's got a no trade clause so let's not even talk about it like so we're not gonna like false content at you i will say we're gonna cover the draft uh i'm kind of the draft node will is i think less of the draft node so i think i'm gonna try and talk him into some prospects we'll that i really like um it's just gonna be it's gonna be fun same way it always is it's gonna be fun up until the draft and then the draft will hit we'll do a couple of shows after that you know talking about how excited we are for the football season and then baseball stouts and then golf stouts and then life takes over. and then i'm gonna have a baby this summer and i'm very excited about that and so like you know and then we'll be back around mini camp and around all that stuff and we'll start getting and the, that that purple kool-aid will start getting sprinkled into the water and then all of a sudden it's the season and the vikings are getting eliminated in the divisional round like we we know the drill it's it's like clockwork at this point but we'll see what happens um want to thank will for an amazing uh 2022 slash 23 season uh this has definitely been a blast and um we will be back next monday uh talking i think next monday we're going to do like a full season recap if if that's correct yep. but yeah, that's subject to change well that's production meeting stuff but uh yeah thank you guys for tuning in thank you guys for tuning in all season long we've really appreciate it we love all of the fans uh and i'll leave you for the, the last time for this nfl season with uh with a skull y'all <laughs>